And welcome to Cleveland and Geek, the Interrupted by WBC. I am uh, John Bonas of Twins Daily with me, Karen Cleveland of the Empire. John is uh, back in Fort Myers. I'm back in Fort Myers. I am still on the couch. Actually not. I'm in the fancy office, <laughs> which is also known as a second bedroom. Uh, high, <laughs> it looks, very, high it looks very nice, by the way. I like the fern in the background. Oh, I didn't. I have one... <laughs> ounce of uh, say and decorating in this room and that's how i, li- I like the, it the, the fern was all you that was your that was your contribution yeah there is uh leather wallpaper i don't know if you noticed that that's very nice i, didn't I know think i saw existed. the leather wallpaper when it was being uh after it had been installed before everything else had been put in there yeah turned out it was a little bit of a tricky install yes i recall a that was a difficult uh, yes that was a problem yeah anyway i'm in uh i'm in a nice office here talking to you about the the return of John to Fort Myers, but like half the Twins team have exited, <laughs> right, to go to their respective uh, WBC teams. Although, uh, well, no, because Duran was the only was he the only Dominican uh, rostered player, and he opted out. But the Dominican team was right. at played the Twins yesterday uh, in an exhibition game. They're managed by Nelson Cruz, so it's sort of a little bit of a crossover there. But I know everybody was excited to see Nelson Cruz back. But yeah, the uh, the Twins had I think double digit players, and that's even with Duran, Carlos Correa, and Jose Miranda opting out right of the Late. of the WBC. And then there, right. there there were obviously other players like I don't know Jorge Polanco who were never really in the mix because of an injury last season. So it's going to be an interesting camp. And I think Baldelli kind of talked like the the last couple of days before I came back, so last week or last weekend, I guess about how it might affect their cuts, like the the timing of cuts and how quickly they trim Major League Camp down. Because around this time, you know, three weeks out, something like that, you'd start to see guys who are not in the mix at all, like true sure. minor leaguers, right. you know, uh, pro- like even someone like Brooks Lee, honestly, like a right. top prospect, yeah, right. but a guy right. going to double A would start to get trimmed from the what started as 70 players in Major League Camp because at this point, in a typical spring, they stop doing split squads. They're trying to ramp up starting pitchers and relievers to get, you know, not just one or two innings, but three or four innings. So there's just fewer innings to go around to the non-veteran guys who are in the mix for the opening day spots. And, you know, instead of taking one or two at-bats in a game, the hit, the veteran hitters will take two or three at-bats in a spring game. So there's just less uh, playing time to go around and you want to trim that down and it's always funny like i remember a couple of years ago or maybe last year we were there for for cut down day and it's emotional for a lot of guys like even if you really didn't think you were going to make the team it's fun for these guys to be in big league camp and <laughs> shoulder to shoulder with you know carlos correa and byron buxton and stuff and so and some guys usually not the first round of cuts but the second or third round of cuts are legitimately young guys who think they're going to maybe make the team so there's some tears shed occasionally, right. and there's a lot of just veteran minor league guys who this might be their last shot to make an opening day roster, and that, that kind of hits them hard. It's also it is, a som- be- it is a somber day on the last day of cuts. Well, the last day of cuts room. for right. sure. Right. Yeah, because then they're going from like 30 to 26 or 32 yeah. to 26 or something like that. It's that nitty-gritty uh, you know, actual decisions being made. But it was also weird. I remember being in there the day they made the first round of cuts, 
because they remove this will only make sense to John because he's the only one I'm assuming <laughs> listening. I guess Betsy listens to this too. Uh, <laughs> yeah. She's been in the clubhouse that's spring hey, clubhouse. But we got, we got some people. Nick, no, okay, so we got <laughs> plenty of people who've been in the clubhouse. Um, it's not that exclusive a club, uh, <laughs> but they remove that sort of initial middle bank of lockers because right. that's the temporary bank. That's like right now it was like Aaron Sabato. Right. And Chris Williams and Ed Julian, like all the double A, triple A guys who are like, well, they're not really competing for a spot on the team, but we're going to put them front and center here. And then you come in one morning just expecting that to still be the case. And that whole block of lockers has just been removed because, you know, 10 players have been removed or whatever. Right. So it's a, it's an interesting. But but getting back to my original point, 44 minutes later, as I want to do, <laughs> uh, Baldelli kind of said, well, it might not be a typical cut situation because we're losing like 10, 12 guys to the WBC. So the idea that right. we don't have enough playing time to go around, it might be the opposite. We might need bodies. Like right. we might need Brooks Lee to stick around a little bit longer. We might need right. Ed Juli Eddie Julian to stick around a little bit longer, which is not such a bad thing in my opinion. I mean, they would like Pablo Lopez and I think probably especially Christian Vasquez to be right. in camp this whole time. Um, but you know, it's uh, they're not alone in losing key players to the WBC. Well, and so, yeah, there was also there was also the extra benefit of it. Sounds like there are a fair number of players who were getting ready for this season who hit the ground running in spring training right. camp because they were also preparing for the WBC. Lopez, pa Pablo Lopez is a really good example. I think Julian's actually a pretty good example. Yep. Now he said one of the reasons he got to camp like a month early. Was because you know it's snowing up in Canada. There are not a lot of great places to work out uh, there. So yeah, Florida sounds pretty good. Uh, right what, about right when about he said that, right. yeah, he gave this long answer. We were like, "Well, how long have you been here? When'd you come?" And he was like, oh, "I was here like in January. Like I was here mm -hmm. three weeks before you know the mid-February report date." And we're like, "Oh wow." He's like, "Yeah, I wanted to see as much live pitching because there are always people here at the complex." Uh, here I say in Minneapolis, but I'm really talking <laughs> right, as John right, in right. Fort Myers, uh, in a hotel in a hotel in Fort Myers. There are always people <laughs> at a hotel in Fort Myers. But he's like, I want to see as much live pitching as possible. And we were like, before the WBC, because he was going to be he's going to be on Team Canada. And we were like, oh, okay, that makes sense. And then there was like a pause, and he goes, also I'm like from Quebec, and like there's snow on the ground, so I just want <laughs> right, to kind of be yeah. outside and see the sun. Right. And I was like, buddy, you are going to make a tremendous Minnesotan someday <laughs> with that attitude. <laughs> Because that's really when yeah, I said to John, right. John, why are you going to Fort Myers on, you know, February 9th? And that's basically what he said. He said, I want to see as much live pitching as possible, but yeah. also I'm sick of the snow in Minnesota. So. One of the reasons I like covering spring training is because, you know, I like I like baseball. I like spring training. I like that. I also just like having my winter in Minnesota end in the middle of February. Yeah. So the worst part of winter is the end of February and the you know, the first all of March, basically. When the yeah, rest of you, the world uh, no longer has winter, but you do in Minnesota still. Did we already discuss this on the podcast, or was this just a stupid discussion we had at like Potts Sports Bar in Fort Myers, where I said, "Is Fort Myers the place you've been second most?" This was not you, on the podcast. This was in okay. the press box. Uh, okay, but uh, but, but you yes. you said Philly probably, and also you spent a month well, in Russia. Yeah, well, I spent th th three months in Russia, three okay. and a half months in Russia. So, but you might be catching up to that. Uh, I, I might be year, catching up to that. Yeah, that's right. I, I think, think I it's... think I think we're in fourth place. I think spring training is in fourth place. Fort Myers is in fourth okay. place, but it's it's close to uh, close to the Soviet Union. <laughs> I've I've amended my 
list, which is a much funnier and shorter list because I don't go anywhere, obviously. Like the two weeks I, I spent 15 nights in Fort Myers just now. And I believe other than going away to summer camp when I was like a teenager <laughs> right, or a preteen, that's the longest I've ever been away from home. Uh, <laughs> and I will say by like day 12, I was like, I want to go back home. Uh, well, you're counting Northfield as the same thing as, uh, as Minneapolis though too. So, but yes. yeah, your college. Yeah. Cause yes, otherwise, sir. unless you want, you left the Min- state, Minnesota here- as a whole is number one. Right. Correct. And then, uh, yeah, then Philadelphia and then maybe Russia and then maybe Fort Myers, Florida. That's such a funny list to be Minnesota. Philadelphia, Russia, and then <laughs> Fort Myers, Florida. Like what? Okay, fine. You just chose out of a hat there. Right. My, I'm I'm amending mine to say, I thought Fort Myers, other than uh, what the Webster, Wisconsin, which is where I spent like four or five weeks twice for <laughs> okay. a summer at, at okay. uh, Herzl Camp, uh, overnight camp, which I guess that counts. But I was gonna say Fort Myers was probably second now behind Minnesota because I've spent you know a couple weeks there now four years in a row or whatever. But I forgot that I went to spring training in Arizona for like eight years, just as like well, that, with my that's uncle. True. But, but what, so that was for a week. Yeah. About a week at a time, roughly. But we also went to the Arizona fall league and all that. This is probably not interesting to anybody. It's barely interesting to me. We spent a lot uh, of time okay, in so Myers. The, the one bit of, I don't know. I'm just, my point was Fort Myers is sad to be on anybody's top five <laughs> list. Like that's where I've spent my yeah, most time. Yeah. Like I need to go to like Antarctica or something to knock that off the list. Um, the biggest piece of there hasn't been huge news. Obviously, there's been drips and drabs, mostly injury stuff that we've spent time talking about, which is depressing. Obviously, after last year, I know everyone wanted to you know snap their fingers and hire a new trainer and have never have an injury to discuss ever again. Right. And it's been that's the opposite. Right. I mean, there's been so many mostly minor injuries to discuss although you know the austin martin situation is a little bit worrisome obviously we talked a lot about the jordan balazovic getting punched in the face and breaking his jaw there's a slight update on that celestino being out for six to eight weeks so yeah i mean some of these aren't so minor and even uh ronnie henriquez yeah is there there hasn't been i have have not gotten it up i mean i just got back here so i haven't talked to anybody about this you didn't go immediately to clubhouse from i did not from the airport no no what kind of reporter are you yeah because well, they wouldn't podcast. let me in at eight mm. o'clock at night. That's the uh, <laughs> I got. I know a guy. He'll let you in the back. Fifty bucks. It's like a Vegas hotel. They'll upgrade you. Uh, but yeah. Jose Miranda is seemingly a bit of positive injury news. Now, as we mentioned, he showed up to camp, started working out normally. The big preparation all off season was losing a little weight, getting into better shape with the uh, mentorship of Carlos Correa, kind of pushing him in that direction. Correa basically said, I told him and other players, put in 10 years where you eat right, <laughs> right. and you it. don't go out, and you you know all this stuff, and then you can make all your money, and you can be famous, and people will love you, and then you could spend the next 50 years of your life doing whatever the hell you want. <laughs> Which is John's message was, to me. I, I think the actual quote was, whatever the F you want. <laughs> well, yeah. I do appreciate Carlos Correa will swear. I yes. like that as yeah, as a website that will occasionally allow us to run the the curse words. Do you uh-huh. guys run curse words in quotes? No. Twins Daily? No. You know that's your Puritan. Uh, yeah, I think I think we actually religious have, upbringing. I think not only do we not do it as like a matter of policy, I think the um, software flags it and, and really? won't, won't actually print it, even if you leave hmm. it in the story. It it stars it out. Well, that's effed up, John. Is what that is, <laughs> uh, but. 
yeah, so Jose Miranda lost some weight, got in a better shape, all with the goal of, I mean, A, just being in better shape and having a trying to build on what was a very impressive rookie year to kind of say, okay, now I'm here, now what? But beyond that, he was doing it with the an eye on moving to third base more permanently, which going back to third base, which was his position in the minors. But then the problem was, you know, they moved Gio Urshela to make that happen and all that. And the problem is he shows up to spring training, he starts working out at third base, and he has a sore shoulder. Right. And they shut him down from throwing for what is now, what, a couple of weeks probably, right? I mean, basically well, I mean, since they announced we, that officially. Listen, we, we the first game we saw was Saturday 24th or something like that of, of February. Yeah. And even then he was DHing, so it was certainly hurt by then. It was right. certainly sore by then, so it's been... It took us a minute. It took us a couple of games to collectively say, Oh, how come he's only a DH? So as of tomorrow, we'll be two weeks. God, we've only had two weeks worth of games. The first game was on yeah. the 25th. We had the doubleheader on the 25th. Right. Uh, so Let's go on. That, that is tomorrow, is that. So we know it's been two weeks since that. So Right. And he said, actually, not right away, but within that first week or so, you know, I've been through this before, a couple of years ago in the minors. Two weeks off, basically fixed it. I'm hopeful that'll happen again. And thankfully... So far, it sounds like that's the case. He said yesterday, I think Doe quoted him, Doe Young Park from MLB.com quoted him, um, saying, you know, I feel better. We're going to start to ramp up the throwing. I'm going to do some throwing at like, you know, half speed, 50% effort. And then if that's okay, then I'm going to start playing in third base in games, which is, you know, what the Twins want to see. The goal, obviously, they'd love to have gotten him a billion reps at third these last couple of weeks. And they'd love to not be limited for these next two or three weeks. But the goal is to have him ready to play third on opening day and be primarily a third baseman, at least early on in the season. The bigger, like the, the interesting part is, and we still like are almost, said, three, we are still are almost three weeks from opening days. Right. So if he gets, yeah. if he get kind of gets his arm up to speed here in a week, we'll have two weeks or so of him being played right. third base. Yeah. T- opening day in Kansas city is 20 days from now. So, right. Uh, but the interesting part is like you mentioned, he, just has been DHing, which right. suggested to me, and I think it's true, that it, the shoulder injury was not believed to be serious, serious. Right. Because it's one thing to be like, well, it only really hurts when I throw. And it's another thing to be like, it only really hurts when I throw. Also, I'll just go out there and hit like normally. Right. And he had homers in three consecutive at bats over two games. <laughs> right. I think he yeah. has four homers over i think that happened since the last time we recorded like he yeah, yeah. He, that, that happened and like that last weekend right i mean he's he's crushing the ball uh which is great to see obviously regardless of whether jose miranda is your starting third baseman your part-time third baseman you're starting for dh first base, whatever right. the bat is what's carrying like the bat is what makes him exciting all that other stuff other stuff is just sort of right. you know on the margins of his value and for him to show up in better shape the power, you know, the, the 20 pounds he lost or whatever didn't sap any of the power. That's always my fear with myself. That's why I can't lose that much weight. <laughs> yeah, I'm worried yeah, right. about my power. I don't want to become a singles hitter. Um, so, yeah, well, what, the, what the Miranda. The, one of the things you're, you're fond of kind of pointing out is you know, if he can't play third base, you know, they'll just move him to first base or DH, whereas, you know, maybe move Kyle Farmer or one of the other guys. Like, we've got a bench full of guys that probably are not first baseman slash dh but are going to get some right. at bats there right what it means though if he can play third base is it allows you the chance to make a move mid season 
or at the trade deadline for a big like bat and, yeah. and, and bring in a a really big bat if you it, i mean or next off season like you know, this is this is a process where they they just want to see how he can do at third base for a year and if he can hold it down for you know 2023 2024 2025 before he ends up right. being pushed out of the position at some point fantastic you know then then uh, that gives you that much more flexibility at uh, first base and dh to either rotate people in and out to rest at dh or to you got yourself a, you know, and a, a legitimate difference maker that you can plug into the middle of the order. So. Yeah, and I mean, we we talk about the defensive spectrum a lot. The idea that you know you'd love for anybody to be able to play catcher, or center field, or shortstop—that's one end of the spectrum. Right. But as we talk about a lot with prospects, you know, as they almost everybody—if you're a great high school or even college player—you're a middle of the diamond player at that point most of the right, time. Right. Uh, you know, like we always use Miguel Sano when he signed with the Twins at 16, he was a sh- quote unquote a shortstop. Like, okay, whatever. Right. They move. You move down the spectrum. You go. You know, shortstops go to third base or second base, or sometimes third baseman like Miranda. Well, actually, Miranda was drafted as a shortstop also, but uh, right. go to third base, and then he moved to first base last year. And the the benefit, like you mentioned, and Joe Maurer was always an example of this, but you know, just in general, is the further on the on the difficult side of the defensive spectrum the shortstop catcher center fielder side that you can keep someone and have them be a passable even defender there it has huge benefits not to the defense necessarily but to the lineup because right. there's only one first baseman and only one designated hitter and for instance you know i remember when joe mauer was winning uh gold gloves and silver sluggers at catcher and people said well why is he so valuable like if you look at his hitting, you know, they're 21st baseman who out hit him, like the power numbers and everything. And it was because he hits like a first baseman, but he takes up the catcher position, right. which then leaves first base and DH open for Justin Morneau or uh, Jim Tomey or, you know, uh, Nelson Cruz, that type of thing. And so that I think is the key with Miranda. It's not that his value is going to be much different at third versus first or DH. Uh, I think it could be somewhat better at third if he's like an averageish third baseman. But if he's a below average third baseman, that's not much more valuable, right? In that context, than just being a decent first baseman. Right, you lose you, the the bonus you gain for playing third base. You lose if you right. suck at third base, right? right. Like you, but, you, you you give back runs, right? Absolutely. But the thing you just said, which is okay, well, if he's at third base, which is where they want to play him, that means if healthy, Alex Kirilov can be at first base. That means the DH spot, they can continue to rotate guys through with matchups, which is what they really want to do. Or it means Trevor Larnick can be the DH. Or two months into the season, Matt Walner can come up and be the DH and just Correct. be a slugger. Yeah. It just means yeah, you can point. just figure out what, honestly, Ed Julian can come up and right. play first base or DH. But if Miranda is instead across the diamond at the other end of the defensive spectrum and he's playing first base or DH, then all of a sudden you only have room for Kirloff and nobody else. And then all of a sudden you go, well, where do we, where are we going to fit Larnick? Where are we going to fit Walner? Where are we going to fit Julian? And it becomes a, a tighter squeeze. And on top of that, what you also mentioned is, well, then who's playing third base? Kyle Farmer, right. Donovan Solano, Nick right. Gordon. These are all not bad options, but they're not players you want to play every day. And so you end up they're certainly not middle trading. of the order bats. Right. Right. So you end up kind of trading the flexibility of having Larnick, Walner, Julian, somebody like that playing first base DH when Miranda's at third versus 
you're basically swapping one of those guys for Kyle Farmer or swapping him for Donovan Solano in terms of the lineup. And so that's the the added value that gets tacked into Miranda. Well, I'll also just mention, like you said, this is a, something that the Twins are dealing with with Miranda, but it's also something that we've seen deal with them deal with with across so many different players, in part because they have players with a lot of flexibility. Right. Maybe they have pushed a little bit too hard or maybe not too hard, but who are they trying to keep at, you know, more higher on the defensive spectrum. Right. So you mentioned Julian. I mean, he's another great example of this, right? Somebody who they clearly want him to get as much time at second base as possible to be, see whether or not he can meet, yeah. whether or not he can be a passable second baseman, not even an average second baseman, right? But just somebody yeah, who's just passable. someone you don't consider a butcher there, you know, just in. I'll also bring up uh, our old friend Luis Arise. Yeah, I man, Arise is another guy where they never, ultimately, the the answer they settled on was, uh, I think he's a first baseman, right? And as such, he became expendable. I mean, not not something that they, right? Which it changed you know. the way you perceive his values. They still got good value for him. I mean, we right. talked about that trade a ton, but right. once he was in the same bucket. As Kirilov and Larnick, and for that matter, Miranda and, right. and guys like that. And once you're saying, okay, well, he hit won the batting title last year, but he had a you know eight ten OPS. And then you go, well, how does that compare to first baseman and DHs? Well, it's good. It's not like amazing, right? Uh, once you're compared to that, you know, then it, it changes things. And we saw that down the stretch last year. Arise was great as a for a batting title it kept him healthier he was i thought passable right away at, at first base defensively but then we saw what happened when jorge polanco got hurt right. for the final month basically or or longer i guess five weeks of the season that they didn't feel comfortable moving a rise back to second base whether because of defense or injuries or you know he's getting comfortable at first base whatever it was so then all of a sudden you had like nick gordon playing second base and they were kind of scrambling to fill that spot in. and that's a perfect example which is a rise is still in the lineup either way. Right. It shouldn't really affect his value if he's a below average second baseman or an average first baseman defensively, whatever. But it just, by moving those pieces around, it either closes or opens doors for you to use your other bats. And like you said, I mean, flexibility with the twins, especially for infielders, obviously, is is become such a focus for them. And it, we've seen it with, They've played Austin Martin at shortstop long past the point in at double A that anybody really considered him a viable shortstop. Now he's hurt, so that's on hold. But you mentioned yeah. Ed Julian playing second base. Um, you know, Brooks Lee's playing shortstop, and he'll probably go to the minors and play shortstop, not because the twins think he's gonna be their everyday shortstop, because they I don't know if people have heard, but they signed a guy to a long term deal to play shortstop. Right. Um but because there's no there's no doubt. Well, there is downside, like in terms of reps, but the belief is like, okay, what happens if Correa gets hurt for half a season? Then you want Lee to be able to play shortstop, and you're showing off these guys for other teams that maybe view someone at at their highest position that they could possibly play. And there's also just the belief that, you know, if you prove to be a good shortstop, moving to third or moving to second or moving wherever isn't that difficult. And we've seen it even with the outfield. Royce Lewis played outfield because they thought he's got the tools to play the outfield. I think they envision, and it doesn't surprise me because Baldelli comes from a Rays organization that did this more than any team I've ever seen under Joe Madden, especially, but they still do it. 
they would have lineups where it was almost like the positions that day were chosen out of a hat. Like it's the same seven or eight, nine guys. But like one day, and Madden even did this with the Cubs. I remember he would have Chris Bryant, who was the reigning MVP. And like twice a week, he'd just go out and play left field instead of third base. Or he'd go play first base, and they'd have Ben Zobris just bouncing around the diamond. And there's definitely a belief, I think, especially after last year, when there were times in September of last year, the Twins had nine healthy guys and couldn't figure out how to build the defense around them because yeah, they so just had three first basemen and two left fielders and whatever. They just love the idea of grooming these prospects to be able to play basically anywhere. It also, <laughs> I hadn't thought about this, but this is a almost a non-sabermetric point of view, but it also okay. allows them to to try and find the right magic formula for lack of a better word. Like if you're in the middle of a, uh, a stretch where you just don't think you're scoring enough runs, well then maybe, you know, you go a little bit worse on the defensive spectrum, right? But you bring, get more big bats into the lineup, right? And you, you make sure that Miranda is going to be at third base and I'm going to move, you know, a bat, a bat into the, into the, I'm going to call up, uh, you know, Julian from to, to play first base, something like that. That's how I'm going right. to. That's how I'm going to address this power problem that we've got, or this offensive scoring problem. On the other hand, if you're like, well, yeah, we're scoring runs, but geez, look, we're, we're booting the ball all around the field. Well, maybe, well, maybe you know, we get Farmer over at third base, and we're going to put Miranda at DH and or right. at first base, right? And we're going to have put you know Larnick at DH or something like that. It does, and we're gonna put Taylor in left field, you know, or Gallo at first base, yeah, and Taylor like a, in left field, and you know you you could f around with things a little bit to try and find the right mix. Yes. O- overall, I'm not sure that it changes the value of the lineup very much, right? Like you said, you, you know, whether or not does it matter where Miranda is playing in the field, whether he's playing DH versus right. where Farmer is, etc. But it does allow you to sort of react to other teams that you're playing or to the. Well, in matchups too. Let's say you right, just yeah. are, you're facing a lefty, and you go, "We just want as many righty bats as possible." It obviously helps if some of those righty bats, if Kyle Farmer can go out and fake left field for six innings, it helps him get into the lineup. And I also just think if if you have mostly guys who are kind of locked into one position, even if they're very good at that one position, and one of them goes down, a second baseman goes down, then you're like, "Well, who do we have who can play second base and fill in for him?" And that's by de- like by definition, that's very limiting. Like if you don't have a top second base prospect, right. then you're just playing some utility guy there or whatever. But instead, if your second baseman goes down and you go, well, we got two shortstop prospects and a third base prospect. <laughs> right. And actually yeah. this guy who's playing first base that's can true. play some second base. And then you just, you're, you're not having to go as far down on the list of understudies before you get to somebody who can step in and actually make an impact. And I think that's kind of the scenario that the utopia of fielding flexibility that the twins envision now, you know, well, you're, saying you're, someone can play a position and having them actually be able to play the position are sometimes two different things. Well, Although I, I, I didn't I, think Julian was that did he didn't look out of place in the, I don't know, five games I saw him play second base. He looks not like a major league, you know, Ooh, he's a great second baseman, but it wasn't, you wouldn't look at him and go, this guy's never played second base before. I mean, he yeah, turned a couple right. of double plays. He makes that's most true. plays that are hit to him. I mean, that's kind of what they're asking for, basically. Yeah. But, I mean, the other thing is that, you know, it's it's great to discuss flexibility and the advantage of flexibility. Uh, you'd probably still trade 
I've got a, I want a I want a good number three number four hitter in my first base at DH spots. Sure, Do you know what I mean. As opposed to the flexibility of being able to hey, I have Michael Taylor roam the outfield and left field uh, because I can move Gallo to first base. You know, like eh, I mean that that that's all that's all well, you, fine and good. Yeah, you still have to have the talent on hand. I mean, if you're <laughs> right. just moving around pieces that aren't that good to begin with, then yeah, it's just a different version well, that, of, that's of exactly that. Right. That's kind of my point. And you know, this is a reaction. To, I mean, this could be viewed as a reaction to not being aggressive early in free agency for some of the bigger bats that were available because they were busy pursuing Correa, right? Right. And it might also be, it might be valuable more so for 2024 than it is for 2023 or for, like you said, maybe at the trade deadline, we find out that, um, you know, who's the guy, who's the Pittsburgh guy? Brian Reynolds. Reynolds. Yeah, Reynolds is going to be moved. Something like that. Well, maybe maybe we've got, you know, we've got room for Reynolds that that uh they can go out and get something like that too. Yeah. And then, then uh, I'm not gonna then I'm not gonna worry about the flexibility of who's playing about but being able to plug in right. Kyle Farber or whatever at first base. Like, yeah, I got, no, I got I, my first base. They I mean they also just have a lot of major league ready or like, you know, double A or higher hitting prospects. That's true. You know, uh, Lewis and, and Lee and Julian and Walner and Austin Martin, if he's healthy. And I mean, you just go on and on and like, you have to figure out a, you have to, how are these guys going to all fit in the lineup? They aren't going to all fit in the lineup. I mean, <laughs> yeah. I mean, you still have, by the way, Correa at shortstop. So that's out. Right. You still potentially have Polanco for another two years after this one. If you want him, we'll right. see how he bounces back from injury and all that. But you know, somebody from that infield group is going to wind up in the outfield. Somebody from that group is going to wind up at DH or first base. Right. Yeah. Uh, and especially if you include like Kirilov and, and Miranda in that as, you know, quasi prospects, basically. Well, both, so, yeah, corner I mean, outfield, both corner outfielders this year might be gone in 2024. Right. I mean, there's a lot to sort through, which is a, a nice problem to have. Like, right. just here's a whole bunch of talent. Right. Uh, figure out how this fits best in, you know, what combinations fit best. And, you know, you're relying on those guys to get healthy and perform well and, and, you to choose it's self-scouting we talk about that a lot which like yeah. you know it's one thing to identify who to trade for and who to sign as free agents which is huge but you know who to not trade and who to hold on to or who to make available when their value is the highest uh can be huge too and that's you know as they like i was asked on my athletic mailbag the other day what's the twins infield of the future I was like, well, I listed all the guys I, I just listed. And I was like, I mean, I think they would love it to be Correa at shortstop, Brooks Lee at third base, Lewis at second base, Kirloff at first base, and you know Miranda or Julian <laughs> at first base DH, some combo of that. But even then, I just listed three guys for two spots at the first base DH part. I haven't listed Austin Martin at all. I also haven't listed Jorge Polanco, who could very easily be one of their best players again this year and is under team control for two more seasons. So, yeah, uh, I, I mean, I think it, it, it's exciting, but also it doesn't surprise me that they've made flexibility a priority given that, and you have to sort that out, but then also just given the disastrous situation that they you know, saw unfold and collapse around them uh, late, you know, in August and September last year, because they would have killed for guys who had could play a couple of more positions. Of course, they were trotting out <laughs> right. some lineups that were like, yes. 
This is our only this is our only configuration of nine players that <laughs> right, could yeah. feasibly work. Here it is. Go beat the the Guardians or whatever. Wait, well, it's nice that Nick Gordon can bat anywhere or can uh, play anywhere. He's still bat. We still have to have a batting fourth because everybody else is well, that's a, called yeah. over to play right now. That's a so. whole other issue. Okay, before we move on to a whole bunch of other news and notes, including an update on uh, on Nick Gordon, let's talk about our our two sponsors here. One of which, HelloFresh. Uh, if you're trying to uh, get in a better shape like Jose Miranda did, I haven't asked him <laughs> if he used HelloFresh. Maybe I will. Uh, here's how HelloFresh works. You go to their website, which is HelloFresh.com, and they have all kinds of customizable menus. They have menus for families. If you got kids who are picky eaters. If you are a vegetarian, they have that. If you just love steak, uh, like the bonuses, <laughs> They have that. And you can kind of pick and choose what you want. And it's fresh menus every week. And it really like, you know, you can look at it. You can look at what the ingredients are. They send it to you with all the ingredients pre-portioned and packaged and fresh uh, right to your doorstep. And they send you a recipe card, but it's like such more than a recipe card. It's got step-by-step instructions that are very detailed with pictures, which is very helpful for me, who, when they say, like, chop some ginger up, and I go, <laughs> right. what? How do you chop ginger? Pictures of it. <laughs> right. yeah, yeah, exactly. it's, it's very helpful. Right. Yeah. Uh, so I know you and Chrissy cook it all the time and post pictures, and it always yeah. looks like restaurant well, that is, that is that is That is, listen, we also cook our own meals sometimes, but one of the differences with HelloFresh, it always looks great. It's always yes. got, you know, it's got little touches on it. Like when they, well, I mean, one of them, it got just hamburgers. Right. They've got a hand, they've got a different couple of different types of hamburgers that you can have. But you know, it's got a special, you know, you end up creating like a bacon jam or something on top of yeah. it. You know, stuff that you would never, ever consider doing yourself. Right. They give you the instructions and they say, here's what you do. It's turn turns out it's not that hard to make a, a bacon marmalade or whatever to put yeah. onto your onto your burger. And, and, uh, I, and I don't got- we don't know how to cook at our house and we've <laughs> done HelloFresh and the the pride I feel. For making an edible, course, like actually course. good tasting thing that actually looks decent is is off the charts. And the other thing is, if you're going out of town or you just don't want it for a week, you can pause it. Uh, you can pick and choose how many how many different meals they're sent to you each week. All, all that stuff, it's all customizable. Here's what our listeners can go to hellofresh.com/gleeman60. The number six zero, and the reason it's sixty with the promo code gleeman60 is you get sixty percent off plus free shipping uh, to try it out. So you go to HelloFresh, H-E-L-L-O-F-R-E-S-H, HelloFresh.com <laughs> slash Gleeman60, and then use the promo code Gleeman60, like 60, and you get 60% off plus free shipping for the whole thing. HelloFresh uh, is our, America's number one meal kit. Uh, and and then, then our also, next sponsor, yeah, is... Rotowire. Uh, yeah, John Fantasy and I have... baseball season coming up here. And uh, if you have got, you know, you take and think about uh, get some twins players and you're like, I wonder if they qualify at second base. Do they qualify? Did they get yeah. enough? Did Nick Gordon get enough at bats last year? The uh, discussion we just had. Yeah, exactly right. Uh, Rotowire could totally handle that for you. In fact, they've got all these customized. You can customize your cheat sheet for your league. So you can put in things like, oh, I need a minimum of, uh, you know, three. Uh, three plus stops, three starts at catcher for for them to be able to qualify for catcher or something like that, right? Yeah, whatever uh, the whatever the odd rules that you have in your league with your <laughs> seven college buddies that you guys have warped the right. reality of fantasy baseball, they can handle it. They well, are not, also the not place. Just, that, not just, I'm sorry, go ahead. Uh, not, ju- not just that. 
but <laughs> sorry, don't no, say no, go no, ahead and no, then no, keep no, talking. I know. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, you can actually type in your, you know, give the URL of your league, and they will pull in your league into RotoWire, right? So it'll do things like, um, oh, well, we noticed this player is available on the waiver wire. You should uh, maybe go think about picking them up because you need something in third base. It's almost like having your own uh, personal scout, <laughs> you know, and they, they, they pull in all the big leagues like Yahoo and ESPN and CBS and something like that. Uh, and they, they can, you say, if, you know, with this, with your uh, team like this, you're probably going to finish third. You might want to, <laughs> you might want to consider making some trades to help you out in this particular category, you know, something like that. So, and the deal that they're offering is a totally free trial. And when I say totally free, you don't even have to give them your credit card. That's how free it is. Yes. Because they're confident. And honestly, you can sign up for the free trial that we're about to tell you about. You can draft all 47 of your fantasy teams <laughs> in the in the 10 days or whatever they're giving right. you for the free trial. And then you can quit. Guess what? You maximize your free trial. And they're fine with that because they realize that many, many people who try the free uh, trial are going to realize the value of the product because it's such a good product. John and I have been paying subscribers to Roto World <laughs> right. for like over a decade each. Yes. Long, long before they 20 said 20 hey, years. We'd like, we'd, <laughs> like to, we'd like to advertise on your show. So here's all you have to do to get the free trial, no credit card required, is go to rotowire.com slash Gleeman. That's rotowire.com slash Gleeman. Use it to research for fantasy baseball. Use it to draft your leagues if that's what you want to do. Uh, rotowire.com slash Gleeman for the free trial. Okay. Um, yeah, I mean, we mentioned Nick Gordon has a high ankle sprain. Right. Sounds like a couple weeks probably for that, which should give him some some time to get ready, but you never know with uh, with ankles are sometimes tricky, but it sounds like they feel like they at least avoided, you know, ligament damage or something, you know, a broken bone or something like that. He looked not great when it happened. He was in a huge boot, uh, you know, an hour after the game in the clubhouse. But so they're, they're somewhat hopeful there for the discussion we just had in terms of defensive flexibility. He's key for that. I mean, I don't know that he's going to play a whole lot of shortstop this year, but he's certainly second base, left field, center field, uh, maybe some third, honestly, maybe some, a lot of DH, I think, versus right-handers. Uh, if Larnick doesn't end up making the team, I think is a possibility. So he's become... This, a year ago, this would have been a crazy discussion to have, but Gordon <laughs> right. has really become something uh, because yeah. of the work he put in offensively, especially, but just getting stronger, getting healthier, able to put on weight, uh, you know, just his his ability to, to drive balls into both gaps, I think is such a credit to him and, you know, uh, David Popkins, the hitting coach, who was a rookie hitting coach last year, I know really worked a lot with him. I think Dan Hayes has an article coming out Monday about that. Uh, so yeah, I mean, Nick Gordon, a Nick Gordon ankle injury last spring. I don't know that we would have been just a little footnote <laughs> no, here, but now it's like, well, they need, they need him back or that's going to change the the construction of the roster for sure. Yeah. Uh-huh. Uh, I mean, what I did not anticipate, I don't know that anybody anticipated. Certainly the twins never talked about it uh, publicly is the possibility that he would develop some power. Yeah. I mean, that changes everything about him you know that that otherwise you are taking a look at him and saying well he's he's d gordon without the high batting average right right who's his more positional flexibility but uh you know without the batting average well it turns him into a ben revere-ish 
type player or something like that. Right. Right. But if you've got, if, you know, if he can hit it out of the park and we saw hints of that last year, especially versus right-handed pitching. Right. And it seems to be, have been a folk uh, area of focus for him. What is he? You know, 25, 27, maybe 26. I think something like 26. That. Something like that. Um, yeah, that, that changes his, that changes his ceiling considerably. If he can hit 15 home runs, a 15 home runs a year. And it's, I don't know that that's totally crazy. I would have thought that was totally crazy prior to last year. I mean, if they gave him, it still might be totally crazy. 500 at bats. Now, I don't know that they want to give him 500 at bats. Obviously, that probably means some other things went wrong with the roster. But if you gave him 500 at bats, I don't think 15 homers is that crazy. Now, it might end up being 11 homers and 35 doubles or something like that. Like, right. But, you know, the, the power is legitimate. And, you know, he's still one of the skinnier people I've ever seen. <laughs> right. he's just, I mean, he's going to be 80 years old. Right. I mean, like, he's going to be 80 years old. He's going to weigh 172 pounds. Like, that's just how he is. That's how he's built. But he went through so many health problems, including getting a pretty bad case of COVID in 2020. But he had gastrointestinal problems before that. Like, he got down, like, under 150 pounds, I know, in the minors. And people were evaluating him because that's what all they had to evaluate. And it was like, well, I don't know if this guy's a shortstop. Right. And he weighs a buck ten. Right. He slaps the ball around. And it was like, is this guy even a prospect? And he was on the verge, honestly. Of completely falling off the prospect radar, he was a radar. He was on the verge of getting dropped from the forty man roster by the Twins. I heard multiple times that he looked that he was going to be the odd man out on the forty yeah, man. Yeah, I mean, move. I think that's fair, honestly, in, given where he was at at that point. And now it's like, well, he, might he be their opening day DH? Like, imagine that. If I would have told you <laughs> even two and a half, right. three years ago, Nick Gordon, yes, this Nick Gordon is going to start right. at DH for the Twins on opening day, and honestly. Uh, not going to bat eighth or ninth, and people are going to be like, "Good, good lineup. I like that." <laughs> right, it would no, be but... just mind blowing. So yeah, hopefully he is back um, in a couple weeks. Uh, you know, it's one of those injuries. Similar thing. Trevor Larnick is uh, ready to play again. Well, he played in like a he played on Tuesday, right, in like a week yep. with a uh, with a groin injury. We um, haven't seen him since, but he played on Tuesday. Yeah, we'll see yeah. if uh, we'll see if uh, we maybe see him in the lineup today on the road. Uh, in uh, Sarasota. The last of the debuts that we haven't seen on the position player side, at least, are Buxton, Polanco, Kirilov. Right. And, you know, it's not easy to do the math on why those are the guys we haven't seen. Buxton, they all, I mean, they all ended last season on the injured list. Right. Uh, two of the three had surgery. Right. Uh, Polanco, I don't think, had surgery. Did he? As far as I know, he did not have surgery. Right. Uh, but it sounds like, at least as of a couple days ago, Kirilov is getting somewhat close to game action or progressing towards game action. Um, I haven't heard a ton about Polanco, although a week ago, I haven't either. Baldelli said to me, Polanco would probably debut in a game before Buxton. I don't know that that still holds true because I'm huh. in Minnesota. Okay. Uh, and, but then I know, cause we've gotten so many questions about this, like, what are they hiding? Why aren't, you know, Bucks and Polanco, right. especially, why aren't they playing in games? And I, I'm not here to tell you that you know, they're a hundred percent and they're both going to be all stars this year and nothing's wrong physically. I can't tell you that. But what I can tell you is the twins and a growing number of teams don't see that much difference or that much, you know, added value in spring training games versus 
simulated games and right. work in the in the batting cages and live batting practice and backfields work and all that stuff. And we saw it with Correa, who waited until March first to debut, and he basically said, you know, he got a hit in his first at bat, and then he talked to us afterward, and he said, "Well, I wasn't just sitting over here sitting on the couch while the guys were playing. Like I was getting more at bats. Like I right. can get fifty at bats in a day of live batting practice or cage work." instead of you know waiting two hours to get two at-bats in a game. And I think Buxton especially, even during the regular season, is not someone who takes batting practice on the field or very, very rarely takes batting practice on the field. He's a guy who likes to work in the cage with the hitting coaches, likes to be able to stop between pitches and analyze and look at it and you know take uh, kind of out-of-the-spotlight cuts. And I know Doe had a video yesterday of him on a backfield you know, live batting practice off a pitcher throwing a hundred percent. Right. Uh, Larnick was, was taking BP in that spot. And I think garlic was the other one in that round of BP. Like they will tell you with Buxton, especially that not getting into a game or not having played in a game doesn't necessarily mean anything other than yeah. he's working on the side. Now I would say just from a sort of, uh, I don't know, fan morale standpoint, Go ahead and get them out in a game at some point. Like, <laughs> right, so right, if right. only so we have to stop answering unanswerable questions about this thing. But I mean, I, I do think, let's see, it's it's the 10th right now. I would say if if all three of those guys are still not in a game by like the 17th, 18th, 19th, like a week plus from now, then that starts to become a little bit strange. Right. I don't think we've reached that point now, particularly when, you know, if you're in Fort Myers, like like John is, you can see these guys working out like <laughs> and taking at bats. Yeah. Right. And taking <laughs> right, live yeah, at bats right. off a real major league pitching. It's just not in game situations. Right. So, you know, take from that whatever you will. But we had a conversation. I mean, literally the last conversation we had with Baldelli before we both flew home, right? Where, you know, you asked specifically about uh about those three. And <laughs> he did a he did a brilliant tactic to avoid initially <laughs> evade my question, which was right. I asked him that and he went, Ooh, I gotta get a beer. And he cracked a beer and then he was like, you guys want a beer? And then like 30 minutes later about, he was in a, he knew his, we had a long talk about hazy IPAs from North, from Northeast. uh, He knew he was in a room with, with Phil Miller and John Bonus. (laughs) Yeah. And so then 20 minutes later, you guys are having a beer conversation and then that peters (laughs) out. And then someone just asks another question. Right. And I'm just sitting there going, well, Okay. And so I wait until it's over. And then as we're getting up to leave his office, I say, so officially is that no comment on Buxton, uh, Polanco (laughs) and Kirloff? And then he basically said, no, let me give you a comment and said what I've described with Buxton, which is he's getting the work. He's getting the at-bats. They just are not occurring, you know, on the main field at Hammond stadium from 1 PM to 4 PM. Yeah. The point, the point sort of seems to be, I would say, first of all, when people say they need time to get ready, what they really mean is they needed to get time to get their timing down, right? And right. and his point was Buxton has gotten more at bats than Correa has gotten. Uh, it's just that Correa get because Correa gets four in a a game every other day, and Buxton if is that. getting yeah yeah right if that three or three or four in a game right, and then you know Buxton's been facing more live BP, more live game type action at the plate than anybody else. So we are handling the timing aspect of it. Now, you know, we did kind of follow up a little bit on that. And I was sort of noncommittal on the response on this. The question was sort of, 
is this a strategy to keep down the wear and tear prior to the regular season of playing in the field with specifically right. with Buxton and Polanco, right? Like, right. Do you, uh, is this, you know, we, we talked about, we talked way too much uh, at the beginning of 2022 about trying to give Buxton time off during the season. So he's not running around center field and, you know, get him some time at DH or giving him a full day off or that sort of thing. Right. Well, you know, why aren't you doing that? Why, if you get, if he's got the timing down either way, does it matter if he only plays three three games in center field uh, the week before uh, spring training right. versus having fifteen games in center field throughout spring training? Is that a pretty good way to keep the wear and tear down on his knee, which or knees or whatever, or his hips, what, <laughs> all the different things that can go wrong? Everything with, yeah. <laughs> with Buxton, uh, you know, is is it is that the wear and tear? Uh, you know, playing center field and, you know, that way maybe he gets an extra five or six games during the regular season. Uh, It would be sort of the thought process. Right. And you could also say the same thing about Polanco. Right. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Is different. Kirloff is working up towards building back towards something like Kirloff needs to check a few boxes before they clear him to, play in games right for him Whereas, it's, it's about the at-bats not about the fielding right right uh but yeah i mean i think and and for that matter we've seen a week ago or whatever i mean they're doing drills defensively one morning 10 a.m on a tuesday or whatever and michael taylor's out in center field you know chasing after ball throwing hitting a cutoff man practicing all these little situational things Byron buxton was out there in center field running around didn't appear to be in any pain or you know limping or anything like that right. so I, I do trust to the extent that you can trust such a thing that Buxton, especially. And I do think Polanco, although I haven't seen him as much, they're not held back because they can't do something physically right now. They're held back because they prefer it or the twins prefer it. Or to your point, they're avoiding wear and tear or they, he just thinks I'll rather take 50 at bats in the cage during right. the day than, than right. three in the game. Now, like I said, 10 days from now, if we're having the same conversation, it starts to get a little bit, you know, something you going just start on. to wonder. I mean, we had enough issues last year where we thought somebody was going to be back and then they were never right. back. Well, right. There's, that, there's, that there's you start questioning little... the, you start questioning there. It's a show me game. And sooner right. later you, you want to be shown. Right. So I, there's going to be questions up until the point where we see them in the game, but you can understand, you know, that philosophy being why are we wearing these why are we starting the wear and tear in you know early march or end of february when we can start it in late march especially in the field so so, so we, long as their timing is back you know let's talk a little bit finish up here about some pitching stuff because i feel like we've been talking about position yeah, right. players yeah, for, the, right. for the whole time right. uh the continued theme of spring of <laughs> every two things i would say everyone's throwing harder than ever Right. Everyone's everyone's got at least one new pitch, <laughs> right. which is yeah, right. kind of like best shape of your life, you know, right. spring yeah, training. Yeah, it's yeah, a real right. spring yeah, cliche. <laughs> uh, but it's interesting being here and, uh, you know, having gotten to know that cliche as an outsider for 20 years or whatever. Right. Um, being here and watching, you know, Sonny Gray working on a new cutter thrown five miles an hour faster. 
And then after watching him throw a handful of them, going down to the clubhouse and asking him about it and watching, you know, the conviction in his eyes. Right. As he talks about they want to talk about it. Yeah. The, that's the work right. that is being put in and the impact they think it can make and the adjustments that are still needed and all that stuff. And it's not, you know, it's not as easy as just flicking a switch and all of a sudden you throw six pitches instead of five right. pitches or whatever. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's interesting. Uh, Pablo Lopez talked about adding kind of a, east-west sweeper curveball to his normal kind of uh, north-south uh you know tradition more traditional curveball i mentioned sunny gray's working on throwing his cutter um significantly harder than he did before tyler malley went to a driveline dan wrote about this yesterday i think went to driveline in part to try to tweak his slider to make it more effective against right-handed hitters which has been a weird um non-strength for him in recent years for a right-handed pitcher uh, there was one more. I mean, Bailey Ober's thrown faster than ever, harder than ever. Uh, 94 miles an hour for Bailey Ober. We talked about Nick. <laughs> right. If you would have told me three years ago that Nick Gordon was this type of player, if right. you would have told me three years ago that Bailey Ober was throwing 94 miles an hour, I'd be like, is there another Bailey Ober? Like, what, are we, <laughs> what are we even talking about? Bailey Ober yes. was throwing 89 miles an hour uh, three years ago. So um, there, there's all that. And I think, you know, within that, and then you have Kenta Maeda coming back from from Tommy John, obviously, which is a whole other thing. Joe Ryan has also tweaked his slider and is trying to transition from a kind of traditional changeup. There's a sneeze. <laughs> That's the thing you only get on this podcast. Non mic sneeze. Where is that cough? A button? traditional changeup. Yeah, we need a cough button. Yeah. Uh, there probably is one here. That I could do uh, a traditional changeup to a split changeup, which is more of a you know Jake Odorizzi type of fall off the table thing. So almost every starting pitcher in the entire rotation plus Ober is either working on a new pitch or working to throw harder uh, with more uh, break on some of these pitches than ever before. Now, maybe a month into the season, that's all forgotten and they all just look like them, their normal selves or whatever. And we think we don't even remember that this was a big storyline early in camp, but I don't know. It is interesting. I think the velocity thing especially makes sense to me in that A, velocity is just rising year over year across baseball. We've seen that. But B, this is the first like normal full-length spring following a normal full-length offseason since 2019. Right. And so particularly given that last season was very not normal, last offseason because of the lockout and guys like Sonny Gray showed up completely unprepared to pitch because they thought they'd have more time and they right. were involved in the negotiations and all that <laughs> right. stuff. And so I think people almost like overcorrected for I this off so season too. on the pitching side because they were so frustrated or felt like they were put at such a disadvantage by what well, happened and, last and it, off season. And it cost them like not just a couple weeks, it cost them the year. Right. You know, like so, Sonny Gray ended up, battling injuries all year. Tyler Malley ended up battling a sore shoulder, a fatigued shoulder all right. year because of it. It wasn't just a, oh, well, okay, I'm I'm, I'm going to you know, not be effective for the first two weeks of the season. It was, yeah, I've, I've got to gear up, and now I've pushed it too hard, and it's a problem for six months. So Yes, I mean, Sonny Gray especially – I mean, Sonny Gray was the Twins' best starter last year, but he had three different stints where a hamstring injury kept him out for a couple of weeks at a time. And also, you know, he, at this point in camp, well, they hadn't even reported to camp at this point, but, you know, when he reported to camp, he was so far behind that, like, he didn't even appear in games. He was just thrown on the backfields just because he was trying to work up. And, and he even said last week, 
I probably shouldn't have even been pitching in April, right? Like yeah. realistically, uh, because I entered spring training in a place where to build up to three, four innings was such a struggle for me because I hadn't really thrown all offseason because he was involved in all the lockout stuff. He thought they were going to end the lockout and say, okay, four weeks from now, everyone reports to spring training. Instead, right. it was a uh, Monday, everybody reports right. spring training. And so compared to this year, um, you know, he's, he's ready to go. Like he, he put in all kinds of work during the off season, just physically. Um, he looks very strong in his first couple of outings. He seems just much more. I don't know that he's ever lacked in confidence, but he seems much more focused and confident. And I mean, that would be huge for them. If he could even be as good as last year, but for 175 innings instead of 120 innings, right? that would just be so massive for the twins. A couple other, I think we both agree that I know you got some notes to get to, but I think we both agree that the area I'm most comfortable with right now is the rotation. Yeah. It's weird, right? Right. Yeah. I mean, have we ever said that in the history of this podcast? uh, I would say in order, it is rotation bullpen and lineup right now. You feel the most comfortable with the bull. I I do not abide by that uh, ranking, but you go bullpen, you go bullpen least. Yeah. Rotation, uh, not, rotation. I go rotation number one, bullpen number two, and lineup number three. But you go, you go bull, rotation number one, lineup number two, bullpen number three. Yeah, it also just feels weird to have lineup be a whole its own thing. But I get what you're <laughs> saying, obviously. But yeah, I mean, I don't, I I don't think their bullpen is in the best position it could be. Uh, I think I get why they chose the bullpen as an area to sort of save resources which they, they do that every office <laughs> so, right and I, year after year and I, I don't necessarily disagree like if you told me we have to save resources in one of those right. three areas i right. would pick the bullpen every time right but i think there's a there's quite a bit of room between that stance which i think is logical and the one they took which is uh literally not adding anyone to the bullpen <laughs> yeah which yeah. now they will tell you we added Jorge Lopez at midseason and Jorge Alco's coming back. And, you know, we got some prospects waiting and that may well be true. I'm not here to tell you the bullpen's going to be terrible. I just think the bullpen is a little shakier now before, you know, they even go to battle here. Right. Uh, then it, then it needed to be, I think they were, if they were just signed one more, you know, and well, and the guys they did choose to invest in Emilio Pagan for three and a half million, Right. Yeah. I've told myself yeah. I'm going to wait till opening day to really talk a lot about that. But, you know, I'm with you. you know, you know, I'm with I you. But, yeah. I mean, so long as Emilio Pagan is in that bullpen, I probably should not be ranking them anywhere. Above. Right. Well, <laughs> and my feeling is just, okay, Pagan, <laughs> who's probably going to be in the lower leverage role to right. start out, which is right. fine. But then, you know, who are you relying on? Well, you're relying on Jorge Lopez a lot. And, you know, Jorge Lopez, if he's at his peak, has proven to be a really, really good reliever. We just haven't seen it at all since the trade. Um, You know, you're you're relying on Alcala being healthy, which, if true, yeah. But if he's not 100%, he doesn't have the longest track record. And and also, you're relying a lot on just Duran continuing to be the best reliever in the league, which I'm not saying he can't be. But if that's kind of what is needed just for you to have a pretty good bullpen, you know, the, it's a not, not house of cards, but there's a lot kind of leaning on each other there. So I, I yeah. do wonder, on the other hand, if we start to just see some of these prospects called up and thrown into the bullpen or even Josh, like a healthy Josh Winder thrown right. into the bullpen mix, you know, it doesn't you don't need to see a good bullpen coming 
as much as you do with a rotation in a lineup is kind of what I would say. Like it's it's very possible to look at a bullpen on paper on March 10th and go, eh, it's not that good. And then on look at it on May 10th and go, well, I didn't see these two or three guys being in a great setup, man. They came right. out of nowhere. Right. We saw that with Duran last year. So um let's just to finish up on one or two other things. Just want to check all the boxes here before uh before we go. There was one other let me uh, oh well Balzavic with the busted jaw sure. got optioned to triple A. He was the first cut of spring, a solitary roster move, yep, yep. which I think is uh, in part just because that's what they do with injured players. But the timing of that, I think, was a little bit of a message being sent, which we've both talked and, and written sure. about. Um, then the next two roster moves that have been made, the only three that have been made so far are Balzavic being optioned, Austin Martin being optioned. Or being reassigned to minor league camp because you're only optioned right. if you're on the 40 man roster. If you're not on the 40 man roster, you're reassigned. Reassigned Austin Martin and Michael Hellman to minor league camp. Michael Hellman has had a uh, hamstring injury for all of camp, so he was going to be unavailable. And then Austin Martin, as of five days ago or whatever, was shut down with a uh, ligament damage in his elbow, his throw, right. his right throwing elbow. Right. The same injury. Uh, ulnar collateral ligament, which is the Tommy John surgery injury, right. basically. Right. Uh, he has a sprained UCL ligament. It's been shut down. Um, obviously, the hope is that he avoids surgery, which is possible. I mean, there's a ton of outcomes, especially when you're talking about position players instead of pitchers here. Yep. But it's not, I mean, he was never going to be a shortstop anyway, but this definitely means he ain't going to be a shortstop. I mean, uh, I think that would that would be uh, highly unlikely at this point. But he looked pretty good early in camp too. He's playing a lot of second base. He was doing some running. Um, you know, I, he, I talked to him early in camp and wrote about him. He he certainly was like, I'm in a good place. I I got back to being myself at the plate at the end in September and then carried it over to a really good Arizona Fall League. And it's unfortunate because he seemed really confident and really optimistic and felt like he yeah. after a struggle in the first half of last year including a wrist injury. Right. He felt like I'm feeling good mentally, physically. I'm ready to kind of get back onto the prospect scene here. And now, you know, even if it's a, a best case scenario, he's not going to be ready to begin the season. Yes. Probably would have been at triple a St. Paul. So that, that bears watching. He's one of their best prospects. Um, And then let's see, there was one other, I don't know. We have we seen Winder yet? No. Do we know if Winder's doing bullpen work yet? Uh, that I don't know. I, I would guess heard. yes. If but... I see him, I'll ask him. Yeah, he's a friendly chap. Yeah, he is. And Good, easy one to talk, talk about. Uh, Virginia. Um, <laughs> there was one other. Oh, I wanted to. Uh, since we talked so much on the last episode about the new rules and how players were reacting to it and how the, our first impressions of the pitch clock and stuff, seeing it in action and all that, Jeff Passan from um, from ESPN tweeted out an apples to apples compare because it's easy to say oh the time of game has been two and a half hours last year the in the regular season the time of game was three right. hours except spring training games are always going to be shorter than regular season games for the most part because there aren't commu- long commercial breaks and there aren't they just seem so, longer <laughs> well that's true yeah because nobody wants to be there everybody's got dinner to yeah, go to yeah, sure. um yeah but so he posted jeff passing from espn posted spring training 2022 versus spring training 2023, some numbers, and I thought we'd finish on that. So it's very interesting. Uh, Time of game, last year, three hours, one minute for the average spring training game. Last year. This year, 236. 
So you've cut 25 minutes. minutes. Wow. That's kind of what the estimate was yeah, based on right. the triple A stuff last it's year. It's even a little 20, better than the estimate, right? Yeah. yeah. It was like 20 minutes. Um, steals per game, steal, stolen base attempts per game, okay. excuse me, which they, you know, increased the size of the bases and now, is this, they changed just, the, real quickly. Is this compared to last year? Last spring. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Spring I mean, last spring, spring. Last spring was an interesting spring, though. It was a shortened. True. Shortened spring training because of the lockout. So sure. So, I'm sorry. Go ahead. Uh, last year, 1.6 stolen base attempts per game. This year, 2.4 stolen base attempts per game. So 50%, 50%. more stolen base attempts. Uh, here's another one. Batting average on balls in play for ground balls. Okay. Which is the entire intent of changing the shift rules. Mm-hmm. That a hard hit ground ball up the middle or towards right field has a higher chance of getting through for a hit if the fielders are limited in terms of where they can position themselves last year, the batting average on balls in play for ground balls in spring training was 235, which means if you hit the ball on the ground, your batting average was 235, which is pretty bad uh, this year, 258. So 23 point jump in uh, batting average on balls in play, okay. which is, you know, that's you big. Can do the math on that. Uh, and then the last one was strikeout rate. And this one is not quite a easy connection to make, but I think, the hope was that giving pitchers less time to focus on every pitch and to down. Yes, because velocity will go down a little bit or just sharpness of sliders will go down sure. or just kind of focus on this singular pitch. Goes I'm down betting it did not go down. It did, but sli- not as much as these other things. I mean, these okay. other are big jumps. But so last year, the, the strikeout rate for Major League Baseball in spring training was 23.9%. And this year it's 23.1%. So less than a percentage point drop, but you know, a drop. And by the I'm way, I'm actually surprised so, there's any drop. Right. And I mean, not because strikeout of, rate has been rising year over year over year for a decade plus now. So uh, I, I'm surprised there's any just because what we have seen is pitchers were so much more prepared coming into camp this year than they were last year. I expected true, last yeah. year to be a lower strikeout rate than we saw wow. this year, regardless of regardless of the pitch clock or any of that other stuff. I just thought this is a more prepared group. So so I agree. It seems like that. So here's his final stat. I wasn't even going to cite this one, but I will because what you just mentioned, runs scored per game. Okay. Just overall, between the two teams, last year in spring training, 10.6 runs scored per game. So five and change per team. This year, 11.0. So almost a half run oh, more, despite what we've just talked about, which is pitchers right. certainly seem primed and ahead and, you know, closer to 100% than a lot of the hitters do. So, I mean, yeah. all of this, now it's early and it's spring, and like you said, last right. year, comparing it to last year has maybe some trickiness involved because it was a weird camp and all that, but the intention or the goal of all these rules changes across the board was to make the game, the pace of play faster, right. with less just nothingness, right? To, to get people to put the ball in play more, to have it less reliant on strikeouts, and then once those balls in play happened, to make the fielders, the infielders especially, less capable of turning them into outs, and then once guys got on base because of all those singles, to, to motivate them more to attempt more stolen bases. And honestly, across the board here, I would say somewhere between significant change and right. Small change is what we're seeing, you know, on all five of these things or whatever box you need to check, which I don't know. To me, it's 
it's interesting. We'll see how it goes. And I will also say it took me about 10 minutes to get used to the, the faster pace and some of these rules and stuff. Oh, it's not sure. something nobody's going to be sitting there in June going like, I can't watch baseball anymore. Uh, and I think even among the players, the, the number of violations per game has already been cut almost in half compared to the first week of spring training. So okay. I think there's yeah. even, which is what we saw in trip boy last year too, which is, you know, it started out, everybody had a problem. Everybody was getting used to it a month or two in. It was, you know, there were still a couple of them called. It's something uh, that you can get used to in a hurry. Yeah, it, 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 you know, it's, it is not an oppressive thing to step back into the box within, you know, seven or eight seconds of the last pitch. That's just, that's not a big deal, right? It's not that oppressive to be able to throw another pitch 15 seconds after you threw, after you got the ball back from the catcher, right? And so many, and so many of these videos that we've seen from spring training games where it's the most extreme case where a guy an inning ends or a game ends because the batter wasn't facing the pitcher at eight seconds and all that stuff. And people are like, this is what the baseball wanted to happen. All of them can be solved very simply. Get in the effing box. That's all. There's no, I have no sympathy. If you were in the box and they just pulled some weird rule loophole out of the thing and called a strike, this is all very straightforward. Do not step out of the box. Do not take a little tour of the stadium between pitches. Like, Get in there. You will have none of these problems. And so I yeah, I have and I'm I actually think, been pleasantly surprised by the twins pitchers that we've spoken to about this, how either neutral or even right. in favor of it that they are. Right. Even, you know, we've had a few of them who have gotten some weird violations and been like, it's going to take some time to get used to, and it might keep me from doing this or keep me from doing that. But almost to a man among the guys likely to be on the opening day roster and starting pitchers, especially. And some of these guys have been 10 year veterans. Almost all of them have said, I see what they're going for. I kind of like it. You know, it's got some, we need to smooth out some rough edges, but I think by mid season, it's going to make for a better game. And that's all you could really ask for is, for someone who's potentially individually negatively affected by it to be able to push that to the side a little bit and see the bigger picture of this thing, which is, I was a little worried that we were going to show up to spring training and start asking pictures about it. And they were all going to act like it was the worst thing they've ever seen in their entire lives and oppressive and all that. And instead it's been like, eh, it's kind of weird. It's going to take some getting used to, but I think it's, it's going pretty well. So I th- I was um, going to say, um, I think if you, do a survey. Maybe I'll try and do this, just a Twitter survey or something of fans sometime by end of May. And you give them three options. And those options are, I dislike it. It's fine. Or I wish we would have done this 10 years ago. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> I I anticipate we will get more people with the 10 years ago than don't like it. Yeah, you know, that, that, even hope, something I mean, that extreme. Like I, I can't believe we haven't. We waited ten years to do this. We are idiots for not doing this ten years ago, right? And I think, similarly, I think by the end of the year, you would even hear the same thing from players. That yeah, more people, more players, would be like, "I can't believe we ever fought this," <laughs> because well, it was the, the MLBPA, which was absolutely fighting it, right? That's the thing with baseball, almost always with rules changes or realignment or changing the playoff structure, whatever it is. Right. By the end of a season, and sometimes even a month in or three months at the all-star break of a season, the reaction is almost always, it's fine, or why did we even, what was the fight even about? Or like, I don't even remember that. And it's really remarkable how caught up in that baseball gets more so than any other sport. And I've gotten to the point where I almost like laugh at 
any initial pushback on any rule in baseball. And I'm someone who hates change. Life. <laughs> yes. Like, you I, are not a big fan of change. <laughs> yes. I like everything to be the same and pre-programmed right. and all that. I mean, That's even a good I, point. I at least have the self-awareness as a lifelong baseball fan. And now someone who does it for a living to be like, let's assume that all these changes are going to be fine. Even when I dislike some of them, like the extra inning runner on second base and some of this other stuff, it's like, it's not that big of a deal. It's I, slight I'm alterations like, to a game. Are you ready to apply that to your own life? Though? Your oh, whole God, life no. now? oh, God, no. <laughs> that, no. That's going to be, that, that's gonna be a step I'm going to be really looking Oh, no, John, to. I'm a tremendous <laughs> hypocrite when it I've comes got, to that. I've got a base now. I've got a, I've got a handhold. <laughs> yeah. How much, how much did Becky pay to bring that up on the phone? <laughs> I came home from Florida and she swapped out our living room rug for a different rug. And I'm on my, like day six of being like, I don't know. I kind of missed that old rug. Do we have a cat update? Yeah, we're, we're, uh, we're shopping for a cat. Okay, you are we're shopping. At you, all did the... have, you have not gotten the new cat yet. No, it's here's what I've learned. And we'll shut up in a minute here. But here's what I've learned. I like every cat. So we're like on all <laughs> right. these adoption. We're going to adopt right. one, which is right, how we got right, our last right, cat. Yeah. Yeah. He's great. Teddy boy. Uh, but so. We just go on like Pet Finder or all these individual places. You know, you set the limit of 50 miles from the Twin Cities or whatever. And, and sh- we just text each other back p- the profiles of these cats. And every one, I'm like, that's, a, that's the cutest cat I've ever seen. Let's get it. And it's like, well, you, you can't do that. You'd, you'd have 400 cats. So now I'm <laughs> like, I like them all so much that I'm almost waiting for like a thunderbolt from one. <laughs> right. Yeah, of course. To be like, this yeah. is, you know, love at first sight. And I don't know that's ever going to happen because, eh, you know, they're all, they're all cute. But yes, we, uh, <laughs> We're going to get, get one before opening day is the, is the plan, certainly. I tell you what, uh, what, uh, what Elisa's fiance was trying to convince Chrissy to do. No. Was be, while I was in spring training, get another skipper key. Yeah. And then gaslight me. Like another female skipper <laughs> key. Let's okay. just say, well, that's more of no. What are you talking about? Nothing wrong with Char. It was very weird of you to be <sighs> like that. Yeah. <laughs> No, because I'm going to because I'm going to make her wait until probably fall before we get another dog. Right. With, if you just get one now while he's gone, you can just start calling her Char and uh, everything. Wow. <laughs> he'll just, a, he's going to want to believe anyway. <laughs> I mean, that's kind of a sad. That's funny, <laughs> but morbid. But even beyond that, here's the truth of the matter: with both of us, or really any right-thinking human being, <laughs> if your partner or wife or girlfriend or whatever that you live with. While you were on a two week or whatever vacation or trip, got a new pet, you would come home and love it. Of course. That's the thing, right? Of course. It's not of like course. you'd come home and go, I hate this guy. We got to get rid of him. No, there'd be about three minutes when I was like, I can't believe you did this without me. And then I'd be cuddling on the couch with the cat and then uh, I would die for the cat. You know, that's, that's how it works. <laughs> exactly. now, living room rugs are a little bit different and pitch clocks <laughs> are a little bit different in terms of change. But sure. I'll take it. I'll take any animal, any animal that wants to sit by me on the couch. is good with me. So, so baseball uh, changes and, and, and pets. That's the two things you uh, yeah. accept change. Okay. Everything else, everything else <laughs> stays exactly right. the same. Yeah. No change whatsoever. <laughs> All right. Thank you to HelloFresh. Yes. And to Rotowire, and if you like this show or even tolerated this show, and you would like <laughs> even more of us discussing things, including some midweek mailbags and special guests and all that stuff. We'll have some we, WBC uh, we... performances to talk about probably on Monday. Yeah. That'd be kind of That's fun. Right. I th- I'm hoping uh, Ed Julian makes a name for himself for, for Canada so I can I'm read hoping we my see... article that... I want to see Pablo Lopez in a uh, 
uh, yeah, you start here pretty soon. Yeah. Uh, Patreon.com slash Gleeman, P A T R E O N, Patreon.com slash Gleeman for our midweek episodes. They're a dollar a piece, commercial free, hour plus, some curse words dropped. Which you I, know, I think you'll like it. I think you, we, we just did a mailbag, uh, what, Wednesday, and it could yeah. not. I think it was really fun to do a mailbag yes. of, of wide open topics. And the mailbags, like I mentioned on that show, the mailbags have become the episodes I look forward to most. Right. Because they're they're the ones that are here here's my capacity for change. <laughs> There's and control. They're the ones that are least in our control. Right. We're sort of handing the, the wheel over to the to the listeners for what should we talk about? Right. What, what weird stuff should we talk about? Alright. Um until then. Bye bye.